Welcome back to the Young Buck Bets podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, and you heard that right. I put out the poll on Twitter after I asked you guys what the name should be on Friday, and you guys decided on the Young Buck Bets podcast. I love it. I could do more with the logo this way. I could make some cool shirts. So thank you for doing that, everyone. I appreciate all the votes. I honestly, I wasn't expecting more than like five. So to see to get 18 votes on there between Twitter and Spotify and you guys voting for the Young Buck Bets podcast, I absolutely love it. I am going to say I'm battling a Jordan flu game type performance here. I wasn't going to put out the pod because, I mean, I don't know how many people listen anyways and who would have cared if I missed a day. But I figured if Michael Jordan could go out with the exact same sickness that I have right now and play basketball, then I could sit in front of my microphone and talk into it. So with that being said, if I'm a little bit low energy, forgive me. It's a Jordan flu game, just as a heroic of a performance by me as it was by Michael Jordan. If you're following the Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Kelly Show, You've been, you see me yelling and spitting in my car during the famous Sunday quick hitter and not to pump my own tires, but that is must watch content. So you better be following at Dylan Kelly show on Twitter, on Instagram. It's must watch content. Before I get into the picks, I do have a quick story to tell that's been bothering me since Saturday. So like I said before, I'm a normal guy. I have a normal job, blah, blah, blah. I'm working the public. So anyways, on Saturday, I'm doing my job. I'm ripping around where I'm working and I have a grown woman that comes up to me and says, excuse me, sir, your shoe's untied. I just don't want you to trip. It's a very nice gesture and all, and whatever, like, very nice lady. Thank you for pointing out, but I've never been more embarrassed in my entire life. The only response that I literally could think of in the time, and remember, I'm at work. I literally looked at this lady and with a voice crack was like, I promise I know how to tie my shoes. I promise. I promise. I was so embarrassed like honestly I felt like I was nine years old again no grown adult should have to tell another grown adult that their shoe is untied so I was really happy I had the mask on because my face was probably so red and it would have been so noticeable I'm happy in Canada we're still wearing masks for moments like that maybe the most embarrassing moment in my life I promise you guys to 24 years old I know how to tie my shoes I feel better now that that's a little bit off my chest. It was bothering me. I feel I actually I feel the weight lifted off of my chest. But you know when else when my face was red? My face was red all Sunday long, and it was with anger because I lost another damn parlay, and that puts them at zero and seven on the season. And seven weeks in a row, they have gone one for two. I don't know what the hell to do here. I had the overs parlay. It was Kansas City and Tennessee over fifty-seven and a half. The total ended up being 30, and the Baltimore and Cincinnati over 47, and the total ended up being 58. So wouldn't you know it, for the seventh week in a row, one of two legs hit. And I'm not stupid, and you can only have so many bad beats after a while that you have to point the finger at yourself. So Patrick Mahomes, I hope you're listening. I'm talking to you. I hope you're okay. (laughs) Your head's okay, though. You did take a knee to the jibs right at the end of the game. Hope he's okay. But I'll break these down, break these games down one by one quickly, like I always do. I'm gonna start with that KC versus Tennessee game over 57 and a half, where the total was 30. So I may have messed up not having the Titans in my power rankings last week for the top 10 teams in the league because they beat Buffalo in week six impressively and they dummied KC this week. And everyone on the Titans looked good on Sunday. 
Tannehill started off 11 for 11 with 167 yards and one touchdown to start the game. And the Chiefs D just looks so bad. It's a joke at this point. The Titans were up 27-0 at the half. And then they just put it on cruise control after that. Like they they basically didn't even try. The Kansas City defense is such a joke. The Titans D looked great. They forced three turnovers, including a pick and a fumble from Mahomes. And they held the Chiefs to just three points on the day. They also sacked Mahomes four times and put pressure on him all day long, which made Mahomes had a really tough day. He was 20 for 35, 206 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, two fumbles, and one of those fumbles was a lost fumble. So that's not a typical game for him or any of the Chiefs offense for that matter in this one. And they only put up three points, and that's what lost us this over. If the Chiefs just play like they normally do on offense, we hit the over and we hit this parlay. But whatever, the Titans won. 27 to 3, but the over 57 and a half doesn't hit, and it ruins the parlay for us right off the hop. And I'll do a little two for one here because I had the over and the Ravens minus 6.5 in the next one. So let's get into it. Full well knowing that my parlay was already gassed. So, like I said, I had the Ravens minus six and a half versus the Bengals, and I had the over 47 in this game. The total was 58, but the final was 41 to 17 for the Cincinnati Bengals. The overhit, so I'll recap quickly. The Bengals' offense is no joke. The Bengals' defense is no joke. And it feels weird to say this because it's the Bengals, but the Bengals are a good team this year. They put up 41 points by themselves against the Ravens here. Joe Burrow went off for 416 yards and three touchdowns. Jamar Chase goes off again, this time for eight catches, 201 yards, and a touchdown. Those two literally can't be stopped. The chemistry between those two is insane, and it's only going to get better. I could see in the future... Teams prioritizing taking like the wide receiver quarterback duos from college that are dominant because you see it in the league instantly translate into NFL success. You see it with Chase and Burrow, which changes an offense. You even see it on a little bit lower of a scale with Jalen Waddle and Tua Tagovailoa. They actually have some chemistry and it translates right into the offense. But back to the game, the over 47 hits and I thought it would because I said on Friday, I jumped on this number right when I saw it because I thought Betway was on crack with this number. And I said, I said, I jumped on it right away. I didn't even do any research first. Betway, you were on crack putting that over under where it was. Um, it doesn't matter though, because the parlay goes one for two and it doesn't hit again. So we're on to the spread picks. I'll start. I'll build off the, uh, I'll build off the last thing. I also had the Ravens minus 6.5 and they got killed. Lamar looked off, but most of that was from the Bengals D. They got a ton. And I mean, a ton of pressure on him and sacked him five times, which I can imagine as a defensive player is next to impossible. Imagine trying to get Mahomes or Mahomes, Lamar Jackson five times in a game. That guy is slippery. He just eludes every tackle and he just, he's so elusive. He's fun to watch, but they got him five times. They said during the broadcast that the Bengals have spent 230 million on their defense alone over the last two off seasons. And you can just tell they cover well, they rush the passer well, and they just play well all around. They tackle hard. They hit like they just play a great game. The Ravens had some chances to keep to stay in this game, especially early, but they just couldn't hang with the Bengals offense on Sunday. So I lost a spread pick with the Ravens at minus 6.5. And we were 0-2 on our bets going into the Sunday nighter where we had the Colts at plus 170 on the money line versus the 49ers. But quickly before I said, not that any of these count because I did say trail them with caution at the end of Friday's pod, but my parlay of the Raiders money line and the Pats minus seven hits. And even though it wasn't given out as a real pick, so I hope if you tailed it, you cash. I'm not going to count as my real picks, but if you listen to the end of the pod, I did give you a couple bonus picks that I wasn't necessarily confident about. I ended up betting them, ended up hitting. It's too bad that I didn't give that one out to the public. We at least would have got off the schneid. Anyways, on to the Colts, plus 170, the dog of the week, 
baby. And I was barking in my car and getting some weird looks on the on route on Sunday. It was, it was definitely an experience. I'm not used to that yet, but the weather was crazy on Sunday night in San Francisco, but that didn't matter to Wentz and the Colts as they rolled to a 30 to 18 win, cashing us the dog of the week again and making it five and two on the season. This segment prints money, and if I've proven anything so far, it's that I can find the dog of the week that's going to win at an impressive clip. Let me just pump my own tires quick because that freaking segment prints money, baby. Let's go. San Francisco actually forced two turnovers in the game on Sunday, which matched the amount of turnovers they had in the whole season, yet they still couldn't get the win, which shows how bad their offense was. I got a text from a buddy after San Francisco scored on the first drive, and he's like, oh, this is going to be the case the rest of the game. I never buy into that, especially because San Francisco was coming off a bye week. If they don't score on the opening drive, you suck. You suck. Coming off a bye week, if you don't score on the opening drive, you suck. You've been practicing those first, what, 15, 20 plays for two weeks straight and game planning for this exact team for two weeks straight. So, of course, they look great coming out, going on a 75-yard drive, scoring a touchdown. They looked horrible after that. All in all, my prediction was right from the Colts game plan. They kept it out of Carson Wentz's hands, more or less, and he didn't really have to do anything special, which kind of helped us out in terms of turnovers because Carson Wentz in a bad weather game, I just felt like there was going to be a a ton of turnovers, and I didn't know why I bet them, but it ended up working out. They fed the red-hot Jonathan Taylor, who had 21 total touches for 110 yards and a touchdown. Jimmy G looked rusty, only completing 16 passes of his 27 attempts for 181 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. A quick note that is actually a crazy, crazy stat to me is that Debo Samuel had 100 receiving yards in a game where the team only had 181 yards through the air. This was supposed to be a really good, balanced offense with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and all the running backs and the way they ran the ball last season. It was supposed to be a great, great offense, but instead it just hasn't worked out for them. Colts win 30-18 and cash us the dog of the week at plus 170 on the money line. Moving on to the Monday Monday night or the game from last night, both these teams stink in my opinion. Like I know the Saints have an okay record, but both these teams stink. I was so sad watching this game and seeing that Jameis Winston is just kind of like a shell of what he once was. I remember watching almost every game when he played for the Bucs in that season, and it was like I said, must watch football. It wasn't great football, but it was must watch football. He's projected to end this season with 40 touchdowns and 10 interceptions on the season. And even if he does that, I don't know how he gets a job next season. He might be the first guy to throw for 40 touchdowns one season. And then ah, he may not get another job next year. Like he just, to me and my, I'm not a quarterback coach, not a rapper, but he does not look good. The weather played a factor in this one as it rained for like most of the game here. Made it for a boring game, in my opinion. Alvin Kamara went absolutely off in primetime. Like I said, big players love to go off in primetime. He touched the ball 30 total times, finished with 179 total yards and a touchdown. And he was really the only reason why New Orleans even won this game. Like no one else really did anything. Seattle's defense tried everything and did everything they could to give us the win here. But Jameis and the offense just couldn't capitalize. Go over that quickly. It's a 10-10 game. Ball's on Seattle's 35. I think there was about three minutes left. New Orleans has the ball. Seattle forces a third and 10 and then takes a 15-yard penalty for roughing the passer to keep the New Orleans drive alive. Then they force, like right after that, they force a fourth down. New Orleans comes out to kick the field goal on fourth and five, and Seattle takes a neutral zone infraction penalty before the ball is even snapped. 
gives New Orleans the first and goal, and they couldn't capitalize, man. They kicked the field goal with about a minute left, and we lose because we had the Saints minus four and a half, and they only win by three. They win 13-10. You have to capitalize when you have when you're given two gifts like that, especially going in the red zone late in games. If you're a good team, you capitalize on that, score a touchdown, and really ice the game, knowing that Geno Smith ain't going to drive the team down to score a touchdown. I don't know. That's why I said at the start of this team, both these teams stink. New Orleans stinks. Jameis doesn't look good. I don't know. That's the week seven wrap up though. I, I went one and three. So my record on the season is 11 and 17. I know that sounds absolutely gross. I'm not happy with it either, but it's only going to get better. I'm locking in this week. And before we get into the look ahead and some hot takes, let's get the word from Bounty Sports. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. But let me tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Bounty Sports, the Pick'em style daily fantasy sports website and app where you can join tournaments for as little as $1. They run tournaments in NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, UFC, soccer, and even the PGA. Go on my Twitter at Dylan Kelly 9797 and sign up using my link to let them know I sent you. And you get a free $5 when you sign up using my link. You could use that for five different tournaments and make absolute bank. Bounty Sports. Pick quick, win big. Once again, great ad. Great job by me. Can't say enough about that guy. I'm going to skip the Thursday nighter because I'm pretty sure that I'm going to release a short touchdown score pod on either tomorrow or Thursday um, because the game on Thursday night deserves it. It's a good game. It's the Arizona Cardinals versus the Green Bay Packers. And I could see myself having three touchdown scores, some over uh, passing touchdown props and maybe someone to get two touchdowns. So I think I'm going to do a short pod about it kind of breaking down the game, breaking down my picks, because last time I did a touchdown score pod, you guys seem to like it. So I will be putting another one out either Wednesday or Thursday. So make sure you're following so that you get notified when it comes out. But to start getting into the week eight slate, I'm going to start on Sunday. Like I said, skipping the Thursday night or starting on Sunday. And we're going to start with the Panthers and the Falcons. The Falcons are favored by two and a half points. They're minus 150 on the money line. Panthers plus two and a half, plus 130 on the money line. And the over-under set at 46. These teams just had polar opposite weeks last week. Uh, last week, the Falcons won 30 to 28 and had some late game heroics to win against the Dolphins. And the Panthers lost 25 to three versus the Giants and looked horrible. Sam Darnold was benched. And now it seems the Panthers are all in on Deshaun Watson. And I'd probably lean Falcons money line, but I don't really want to be betting on this one because it's two, in my opinion, bad teams going against each other. And you guys know how I feel about two bad teams going against each other. Next game, the Bills versus the Dolphins. The Bills are favored by 13 and a half, minus 825 on the money line. Dolphins plus 13 and a half, plus 570 on the money line. The over-under set at 48. I usually hate, hate big spreads. Like I, I usually just steer away from them. But with the Bills coming off the bye week, they may put up 50 versus the Dolphins, Like they, especially coming off the bye. I honestly feel pretty safe going with the Bills minus 13 and a half. And even over the over 48, thinking the Bills may realistically score, what, 35 or more? Like they've been doing that every week by themselves. Tua was good against the Falcons last week, but the Bills' D is a different animal, and I think he will struggle 
I don't know. My early lean, I guess, would be the Bills at minus 13 and a half. And I know that's tough for me to say because I hate the big spread, but I I like the over 48 more in that game because I do think the Bills will put up 35 and the Dolphins will be able to compete a little bit and put up a couple scores. The next game, the San Francisco 49ers versus the Chicago Bears. The 49ers minus three and a half point favorites. They're minus 180 on the money line. The Bears are plus 150 on the money line and the over-under set at 39 and a half. Like, what a gross number for the over-under here. Under 40 expected points. Like, this one just sounds like it's going to be an absolute thriller to watch. Can't wait to have it on my TV. Um, I'm not, just kidding. I'm, I would never watch this game. Even if it was the Sunday nighter, I would have something else on on the split screen because I just, I'd rather watch Survivor than watch this game. Um, <laughs> mainly in the Bears plus three and a half, but they stink, so I have no confidence in that game. <laughs> Moving on, the Steelers versus the Browns. They have the Browns as uh, minus three and a half point favorites. They don't have any money line set out yet, and the over-under set at 42 and a half. Betway doesn't have the money line odds out yet, and <laughs> I think Nick Chubb is expected to be back for this one, which would make me lean the Browns way, but it would... <sighs> more than likely be on the money line and not the minus three and a half point spread. So when those odds are released, I'll just have, I'll have to reevaluate then what the money lines are. And I just have an absolute hate on for the Steelers this year. They're falling to injuries. Big Ben looks horrible. I don't know. I just, I have a hate on for the Steelers. So I'd probably lean the Browns money line when those odds come out. Next game is the Eagles versus the Lions. Eagles are three-point favorites over the Lions. They're minus 170 on the money line. Lions are plus 145 on the money line, and the over-under set at 48. This is a 2-5 and five versus an 0-7 oh game here, which doesn't seem very enticing. And the Lions may never win, and even Dan Campbell hates little Jimmy Goff. So, though the Eagles are also bad, and they looked horrible against the Raiders, but they can score points. They average 22.7 points per game to the Lions, 18.3. And the Eagles' defense is just decent at stopping the pass game, and they're horrible against the run. But even that doesn't scare me here, because the Lions can't take advantage of anything without shooting themselves in the foot first. So even if Eagles are horrible on defense, so I feel like the Lions will just try to pass the ball. They can't take advantage of absolutely anything without shooting them in the foot first. So my early lean on this one is the Eagles at minus three or even minus 170 on the money line as a parlay piece. And like, as always, I release a pod on Friday with my final picks. If I end up making these picks, I really break the games down for you. But for now, I just kind of rip through them quickly. Next game, Rams versus the Texans. The Rams are minus 14 and a half point favorites, minus 925 on the money line. The over-under set at 48, and the Texans are plus 620 on the money line. Um, this is probably a stay-away game for me. I don't know why it would, but if the spread goes down to 12 and a half or 13 flat, I would like it a lot more. The Texans proved that they are they are that bad last week, losing to the Cardinals 31 to 5, and they couldn't even cover an 18-point spread last week, so they're a bad, bad team. I don't know why it would, but if the spread drops from 14 and a half down to either 12 and a half or 13 flat, I'll be all over the Rams on the spread probably as one of my like solidified picks. This next game, I don't understand whatsoever. Um, the Titans are minus one point favorites in basically a pick them versus the Colts. They're minus 125 on the money line. Colts are plus 105 on the money line and the over under set at 49. It's a pick them here, like I said, and I don't know why. The Titans are coming off two great weeks with wins versus Kansas City and Buffalo, and they've been scoring a ton. They can throw the ball. They can run the ball, and I feel like they're just being disrespected big time here, and I will probably be all over the Titans. I like to, when I see things that jump off the page at me, I'd like to jump on them quick. I haven't bet it yet, but I will most likely be all over the Titans. I hope they end up moving as the dog for some reason, some sharp money or some like millionaire comes in and puts a bunch on the Colts and it moves the Titans as a dog because I will be all over 
barking. Oh my God. I can't wait. If the Titans become dogs on that one, just wait for the quick hitter because the energy will go through the roof. Just wait for Friday for me to break this one down because I know that's going to be on my on my betting slip. Next game is the Bengals versus the Jets. The Bengals are nine and a half point favorites. They're minus 460 on the money line and the over-under set at 443. The Jets are obviously plus nine and a half um, point dogs and plus 340 on the money line. I hate the big spread, but I do think the Bengals will cover it. The one thing I absolutely love in this game is the over 43 here. The Pats just put up 54 against this Jets defense, and the Bengals offense has the ability to do the same thing because they're way better than the Pats offense. I don't care what you say about it. Bengals offense is miles better than the Patriots offense, and the Patriots just put up 51 against this Jets team. Jamar Chase may have another 200-yard games, and the Bengals will probably put up a minimum 35. And remember, the over-under is 43. I could see them putting up 35 or more, and I could see the Jets putting up, what, 7, 10? So if they have 4, if, if, I don't know. I see that over-hitting. That's another one, like I said, in the, in the first half of this. I think that Betway was on crack putting this at 43 because the Bengals might hit that by themselves. I know Jets don't have Zach Wilson at QB, but I don't think he was very much special anyways. So whatever, they could still get 10 points, and Bengals are going to get 40. So whatever. Next game, New England Patriots versus the LA Chargers. I absolutely love this game. The Chargers are minus 5.5-point favorites. Um, they're minus 240 on the money line. Patriots are plus 190 on the money line, and the over-under set at 49. It's a really, really tough one, but I do love the Chargers coming off the bye. I I don't know here, though. This is where my head's at, and this is what I always say. You get a real like look into my mind and how I think. A rookie head coach, Brandon Staley, has had to game plan against Bill Belichick for two weeks straight, and I really don't like that. Staley had the whole bye week to overthink. What am I going to do with against Belichick? How am I going to beat him? I really want to put his head on my mantle of people I've beat. And I can just imagine that that just plays on you. And he may, as a rookie head coach, and I know he does a lot, he may overthink this over game plan, and it may come falling down on the Chargers. I don't know if I want to touch it, but it's definitely a game that I want to watch. If I... I would have five screens going on Sunday. This is going to be on the main screen, even if I don't bet it, because I think that this is going to be a great game. But for now, I don't have any leans on it. Just wait till Friday. I'll probably bet on that game because I love it so much. The next one, next one is the Jags versus the Seahawks. Um, Betway doesn't have anything posted for that game, so I'll just move on. Next game, Washington football team versus the Broncos. The Broncos are three-point favorites, minus 160 on the money line. Uh, Washington football team is plus 135 on the money line, and the over-under set at 43 and a half. This may be a dog of the week candidate. The Broncos and Washington football team have looked really bad as of late, but Washington football teams had a lot of problems on D, which is crazy. Coming into the year, they were like, Washington football team has the best D in the league, best D in the league. They're going to get 150 sacks a game. They're the best D in the league, and they've been horrible. I don't know. I think it takes... I don't think it takes too much to beat the Broncos, and I think Taylor Heineke and that offense could probably get it done. I don't like Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Two Gloves, he just hasn't looked good this so far this year. So I probably my early lean would be Washington football team plus three or on the money line for the Dog of the Week candidate at plus 135. The next game is the Bucks versus the Saints. There's nothing posted yet again from Betway, but I just want to say the Saints always seem to play the Bucks really tough for some reason. I just always have that stuck in my head. Sean Payton just seems to have the Bucks figured out, and... 
I'm going to guess, I'm just going to set the line myself. I'm going to guess the Bucks come out as either six and a half or seven and a half point favorites in this one. So I'll probably stay away if that's the case. But I, because I don't know which way it goes. Sean Payton just seems to have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers numbers, even though I do think the Bucs will win that game. Next game is the Sunday Nighter. And I, oh, I love this game. It's the Cowboys versus the Vikings. The Cowboys are three point favorites. They're minus 145 on the money line. The over-under set at 55, and the Vikings are plus 125 on the money line. This should be absolutely great to watch, and I love betting on the primetime game, uh, games. Dak is battling a little calf injury. Um, he had the whole bye week to kind of deal with it, get over it, and they expect him to play. So like I said, he's expected to play, and even if he's somewhat limited, this Cowboy offense has proven that they can do it all. Rush the ball, throw the ball, do little screens, little dip and ducks, throw it deep. They can do everything, man. So even if he's limited, I love Dak here. I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to break this game down on Friday because I'm going to be all over the Cowboys, either at minus three, minus 145. So I'm just going to save it for Friday because I'm actually really, really excited about that primetime game. Next one is the Monday Nighter. It's the Giants versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10-point favorites and minus 460 on the money line. Giants are plus 340 on the money line. The over-under set at 52 I probably won't bet it, but if you were betting it, I don't know how you don't take the Giants at plus 10 here. KC plays absolutely horrible defense. They don't cover any spread ever, and they don't stop anyone ever, no matter who they play. They just can't stop anyone. So I don't know how you wouldn't bet the Giants plus 10. Mahomes has been struggling. Teams have seemed to be able to neutralize Tyreek Hill a bit. I don't, a bit, a bit, sorry. I don't know how you don't bet the Giants. And now that I'm talking about this, this could end up being one of my picks that I give out like at the end of the pod. is like, oh, I'm not really confident in this, but here's a parlay, Giants plus 10 and something else. I actually may end up betting that. If you're betting it, I don't know how you don't go the Giants plus 10 because like I said, the KC offense just doesn't cover any spreads ever. So there it is. There's the week eight look ahead and it's done. I like the board a lot this week. The last two weeks, I really hadn't liked the board. And there's there's teams on by this week, but it didn't really affect the quality, in my opinion. So I'll have all my bets locked in for the Friday pod, and we'll talk about it then. Quickly, because it is Hot Take Tuesday, so everyone's fired up about that. I got a few good ones and some power rankings again, but not teams. Different power rankings this time. But before I get into the hot takes, let me talk about my with Toronto Maple Leafs. I haven't really talked hockey on this pod yet. So here we go. I love the Leafs, and... You're going to find out right here. They've lost four in a row. They're two and five on the season, and they've looked absolutely horrible. Um, they've already had to throw the lines in that in the blender. We've seen that last night in the game. that Every line was completely different from the start of the season, and they're just not scoring enough right now. They have six goals in the last four games, and that is absolutely alarming for a team that is strictly built on offense. Um, they need more from guys like Marner, who has one point in seven games. Matthew has looked, he has looked good, so I'm not going to ra rag on him a little bit, but he only has one point in four games so far. Nick Ritchie has zero points so far, and he's been playing in a top six role the whole season, so you need more from him. I don't want to overreact, but is it really time to like think about shaking things up if this goes, goes across maybe, what, five to seven more games? You got to think about a big shakeup, or do you just ride the wave and just hope this is what we got? This is what we're rolling with. We're going to go to the playoffs anyways. Because, yeah, I get it. No season is won or lost in the first, what, seven, seven, eight games of the season, and that's all we're in. So I'm not going to overreact yet, but there's my little take. So I'm going to get into the hot takes now, but my recap of last week's hot takes were Mac Jones throws for 300-plus yards, three touchdowns versus the Jets, and he had 307 yards and two touchdowns. But I'm giving it to myself. Great call, Dylan. Great hot take. Moving on. 
Um, the Cowboys was uh, the next one was the Cowboys were going to the Super Bowl. They win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. That's a future bet. And then I did my power rankings, which I actually got a lot of messages on, and I really like it. If if you that's the thing, if you disagree with my power rankings and you message me and you're like, hey, I think that this team should have been in your power rankings because of this, I will 100% respond, tell you why I think that, or I'll just be like, you know what, you're right. Like I I was wrong. You're completely like I'm not I'm not a dick. I'm not just gonna be like. Hey, yeah, I was right. That's what I said. So deal with it. No, man. Interact with me. I will talk back. So here we go. Hot take Tuesday. Hot take number one. And it's going battling off the Leafs thing that I just said. Mitch Marner is traded before the trade deadline this season. Is his trade value plummeting every game? Yes. But once he breaks out of this slump, I think that teams start calling and the Leafs end up getting an offer that they can't refuse. If you could fish like a good defenseman to replace Riley after the season if needed, because I mean, if you end up getting rid of Martyr, you might be able to sign Riley. But if you can't sign Riley and you get a good defenseman offered for you for um, Mitch Marner, maybe a prospect or a young guy needing to change of scenery, I, obviously not on this level, but I'm thinking like the Patrick Lyon, a PLD guy that needs a change of scenery or a young prospect that's supposed to be good. Maybe you get a pick, save some cap room. How could you not do it? Because Marner just, I don't know. There would have to be more than just Marner going the other way in that deal. I'm not delusional being like, yeah, we could just get the whole league for Mitch Marner. Just give us McDavid straight up for Marner. But I can see it happening. Not, I, I can't see them trading Matthews. I can't see them trading Tavares. And I can't. you can't really trade Riley because he's free agent right now at the end of the season. And Willie Nylander leads the team in points right now. And to me, has proven that he's worth the contract that he was given. Marner has not, especially in the playoffs. So my hot take number one is that Mitch Marner is traded before the trade deadline out of Toronto. Let's go. That one's pretty spicy. That's a future one. Stash that away. Hot take number two. Jamar Chase has 150 plus yards and two touchdowns this week versus the Jets. I love watching this guy play. Him and Burrow have absolutely great chemistry. Burrow looks his way every big play and trusts him in every single one-on-one situation he's put in. This duo, in my mind, is challenging the Adams and Rodgers, like Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers duo, Don and Green Bay, to be the best in the league. And I think they showcased that again this week. So my hot take number two is Jamar Chase goes for 150-plus yards and two touchdowns on Sunday versus the Jets. And you guys really seem to like the power rankings last week. So this week, I'm ranking the best quarterbacks in the league. Debate away. Call me an idiot. Message me. But here we go. The top 10 quarterbacks in the league right now as of week 7 going into week 8 of the NFL season. So here we go. Starting at 10. Derek Carr. I'm going to put a little asterisk here. I put him in there because he actually has been having a good season. But I did want to put Joe Burrow here because I think he's been great. Number 9, Matthew Stafford. Number 8, Patrick Mahomes. Deal with it. Number seven, Aaron Rodgers. Number six, Dak Prescott. Number five, Justin Herbert. Number four, Kyler Murray. Number three, Lamar Sidearm Jackson. Number two, Josh Allen. Number one, Tom Brady. So from the top, one more time, just to rip it back for you really quickly. Number 10, Derek Carr. Number nine, Matthew Stafford. Number eight, Patrick Mahomes. Number seven, Aaron Rodgers. Number six, Dak Prescott. Number five, Justin Herbert. Number four, Kyler Murray. Number three, Lamar Jackson. Number two, Josh Allen. And number one, the GOAT, Tomothy Brady. And that's all I got for you today. Keep your eyes open for a pod either tomorrow or Thursday. Also, the pod's going to be out on Friday, and I have a special guest planned for Friday that I'm really excited about, and I think that you guys will like. That's all I got for now. I'll see you guys in the next one.